0: And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yes. Yes. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Okay. It's been a lot of uh, drinking and eating. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It has been a uh, uh, weekend of celebration.
0: We're in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Celebrating our mom's birthdays. Which are very close together. And in, in a... In a house in a nice part of town. <laughs> yeah. But if I had to give this score, a, a house a score out of 10.
1: It needs some renovations. Well, what would you give it out of 10? I would give it
0: 4.5. I would give it 5 out of 10. Okay, all right. Uh, it's It looks like it was maybe built in the 70s, and they haven't done anything to it since then. Yeah, in the interior, for sure. And uh, it's a really poor design. It's not ideal, yes. but... We're still having a nice time. But the outside's nice. Um, you know who else's birthday it is today? Today's the 26th, yeah. Diana Ross. Oh, Ms.
1: Ross. What does she mean to you? Oh, she means mahogany to me. She. There was a, a significant chunk of my childhood where I was uh, obsessed with the music of the Supremes and therefore branched out into Motown, of course. Um, you know, every time I think of her, I feel... Sad that she wasn't in more films because, uh, well, you know, The, the Wiz, I feel, is a bit compromised, but Mahogany
0: and Lady Sings the Blues are pretty damn good. Yeah. Her music, I mean, of all the divas of her era, like, I would clump her in with Aretha, Franklin, mm-hmm. Patti LaBelle, Shaka Khan, Dionne Warwick, Gladys Knight. She's not my favorite of the group. Her music was a lot more, like, pop. It's poppy. It was, you know, to please white people, of course, in the early part of her career. But Yeah, Patty's definitely more my flavor. But, I mean, Diana Ross, she has a lot of songs I do like. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, especially from, like, her, like, 80s stuff. Like, swept away! <laughs> She's one of those people that deserves the
1: term icon, which is thrown away. You know, the, all these drag race queens. You can't just be on TV and call yourself an icon. You can't just do uh, a couple of years' worth of shows uh, for whatever local city you're in and be an icon. <laughs> like Diana Ross is an icon.
0: I mean, I would agree, but you know. Whatever you need to say to yourself to get through the day. Oh. Uh, the top article or the top story on CNN this morning, <clears throat> the headline read, Customers now face a radically different tipping culture compared to a few years ago. So the article basically talks about how everyone wants a tip now, which is sort of accelerated by the fact that a lot of these smaller businesses use platforms like Square. So like when you tap Mm -hmm. to pay for something at various types of stores, it's very easy to incorporate a page that asks if you want to leave a tip. Mm -hmm. So So. it's just easier for for different types of establishments to ask for a tip, and then Um, the article talks about as customers how it's awkward because during the pandemic many of us felt like we should tip more yeah to help with you know just the chaos and that became sort of a a normal thing that everyone tipped more during the pandemic especially like you know like picking up food Mm -hmm. because we couldn't sit in the restaurant and now that things have opened back up again there's this weird transition from like, well, probably not tipping as much as I used to combined with everyone wants a tip, like even customer service people. Mm-hmm. So you go to the hardware store and they're asking for a tip or. Well, I noticed like at
1: Starbucks now that, you know, it's automatically when you pay with a card, it asks you if you want a tip. And the baristas, I noticed, is always like, it's going to ask you some questions. They don't
0: say it's gonna ask for a tip well cause it's new for them right so it's awkward it's awkward versus like coffee bean they've been asking they've for tips for yet. forever so yeah it's awkward for them I also think like this 20% idea seems I don't know I feel like you know tipping yeah I've, I've been on a rant before about tipping but I just I feel like it's odd that people who don't give great service want a tip
1: I just think it's odd that we don't automatically pay people a living wage, so that, that. We, we wouldn't have to depend on that, because, you know, I've had a extremely rude service in Europe, but uh, it's also, they're they're getting paid to be there, and uh, do I want to come eat here? Sure, or not, I, I don't know, it doesn't, they shouldn't have to be captive to my mercurial ways, I, I don't want anybody to feel captive towards my whim, so I don't, It's not that it's rude service. I just don't mind people. I don't
0: like when people feel like they have to bend over backwards to please me. I don't know. You know what I think makes sense is, um, like, if you want to sit at a restaurant where you're being served, then I think you should pay for that. And the staff should be paid accordingly. Like, they should be paid a living wage. But we're also charging enough that... Yeah, of course. You know, the, the establishment can pay. But I like the restaurants where it's like, You know, you order, you go up and order your food, and then when it's ready, it's brought to you, and there's not a lot of like if you need condiments or drinks, you just go and get them. Yeah, yeah. To me, that makes more sense, Mm -hmm. and then you tip, you know, maybe a a a less significant amount, because some places. You know, food is expensive. Mm -hmm. And you think, like, for the two of us to go get burger and fries somewhere, it could easily cost, like, $60. Mm -hmm. So then you think, you want me to give you a $12 tip, and all you did was... I mean, you did nothing. Because we had to get our own condiments in those little cups. We had to dispense them. Like, you just handed me a greasy bag, and, like, I have to give you an extra $12 for that? I don't don't know. That seems... (laughs) Seems like a lot. Again, we could avoid
1: all of that discomfort if uh, if we did pay everyone a living wage. But
0: now I sound cheap. But no. I, it, but I will continue to say I think it's weird, like that everyone wants a tip. I I don't think you sound cheap. It's just uh, what you just I... handed me a cup of co- like you literally poured two cups of co- like black coffee, and based on the total, I would be giving you two dollars, mm-hmm. just because you poured me like. I mean, you literally just poured black coffee into a cup and handed it to me, and you didn't say good morning or thank you. Sure. I was somewhere the other day, and the lady didn't acknowledge me. And you know me. I stand there for a while. Yeah, I know. I know you do. And awkwardly wait for them to say something. And Mm -hmm. then when they don't, I go, okay, well, give me this. And then she didn't acknowledge that, and she didn't say thank you. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my gosh, I stopped... I I'm, One more thing. You know on Willoughby and kind of like La Brea, there's that little area that has like a fancy coffee shop and then vinyl record store. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. One day, like maybe a month ago, I stopped to get coffee there. Because I just thought, well, let me, I've never tried it, and it was not busy, and there was parking right in front. And I walk up to that lady. She did not acknowledge me at all. She just stared at me. Mm -hmm. and I stared at her and then finally I just said like I want a mocha because it was just on the menu there's no size nothing she didn't ask me what kind of milk I wanted Mm -hmm. because at nicer places they always verify especially in LA like yes so she didn't then she doesn't tell me the total she just stands there so I look at the screen $13 (gasps) And I said this this little cup of coffee is thirteen dollars, and she said, "Yeah," and I said, "I don't want it," and then I walked out. But, <laughs> but you think if I would have, and for sure, it would have asked me to give a tip. So uh-huh. I would have tipped like almost three dollars on shitty service for a bev- a hot beverage that would have been in a small to go cup because mm-hmm. I saw those cups. Thirteen mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah. So it would have been $15. I can already tell you that place is probably
1: not destined to last. But, uh, uh, yeah, there, there is uh, a lot to unpack there.
0: Yeah, moving on to something more serious. So Jonathan Majors oh, yeah. was arrested yesterday, Saturday, um, for alleged domestic dispute. In Chelsea. A 30-year-old woman um, informed the police she was assaulted and that she had minor injuries to her head and neck. He's denied it, like his spokespeople. Um, the well, statement they released said, while Mr. Majors, or I'm sorry, they said that he is, I don't want to get this wrong. Oh, we look. he has done nothing wrong. We look forward to clearing his name and clearing this up. And then like 30 minutes ago, I saw that they said that he has video proof that he did not attack this woman. I I hope that's true, and I hope that he still doesn't end up like Nate Parker. Well, yeah. Where it's like just because he's attached to this that his career's ruined, even though he didn't do anything or wasn't charged with anything. Well, yeah. I mean, there's not enough information to know what happened. No, but he has been released. But also, like, what was going on where
1: somebody felt the need to record what was happening then? Uh, Yeah. so, So. Oh,
0: but he's done promos for the army. And this morning, the army said that they were going to not drop those. Because they feel like, until they know what's going on. Which I guess is fair. I mean, they they filmed these promos, and then now this shit happens. So they want to make sure that he's not guilty of anything. But isn't that crazy? How, like, in an instant? In an instant, yeah. Because I'm sure anything that he's up for right now, as far as acting, they're probably like, oh. Let's hold off let's on let's that. Let's wait a minute. Let's
1: wait. Yeah, because he's he's on the rise. He's not cemented yet in being able to do whatever he wants. So yeah. well. I don't know. But that's good to hear. If they if they have that footage, get that shit out there. Nip that in the bud.
0: All right. Films released. We didn't cover something called f- Furies. Or furries. Furies. Uh, furies. Furries. Furries would be two R's <laughs>
1: It's uh, directed by Veronica No, a vehicle for which uh, she herself stars in, a uh, notable Vietnamese uh, actor-director. I think that's her third film. Uh, it's, it's Netflix's first uh, original Vietnamese title. Oh, wow. That, but we, we did not watch that. Chantilly Bridge. Uh, which is a sequel to Chantilly Lace, ni- I think 1993 original, starring a, a really great cast of uh, notable ladies and directed by Linda Yellen. The sequel, Chantilly Bridge, is also directed by her, but some of the ladies in there are Ali Sheedy, Lindsay Kraus, Joe Beth Williams. The Five Devils. Uh, I saw this at Cannes last year, starring Adele Exarchopoulos. Uh, it's the second film directed by Liam Mycius after 2017's Ava. Uh, she's, of course, a no very notable screenwriter as well, uh, kind of a, a hot-ticket item in France. This was in director's Fortnite, and I I... I I like Adele enough, uh, and that has a really interesting kind of witchy premise, but it kind of doesn't establish its own rules well enough. I think it's worth a watch, and if we had had time, I would have suggested we should, But uh, because I'd be very curious to see what you think. And there's also a very strong queer component I liked. um, But at the end of the day, I I think I needed it to feel a lot more uh, intelligent than it does. Mm. Last Sentinel? Uh, This is from an Estonian director, Tanel Toom. Uh, starring Kate Bosworth. So that might be all you need to know there. The Lost King. It's uh, new Stephen Frears, who's pretty hit or miss for me. Uh, but Sally Hawkins stars in it. And it's about a group of people uh, that are obsessed with Richard III, is all I know about it. Uh, which is a, a fantastic Shakespearean play, of course. Uh, we didn't watch this, but I was interested in doing so. Reggie. Uh, this is a documentary about uh the uh, Reggie Jackson the baseball player uh, oh. and it's directed by Alex Stapleton who I, I saw his first documentary about Roger Corman Corman's world which I highly recommend but Tori and Lokita uh, this is another depressing new movie from the notable Belgian directing duo uh, the Darjan Brothers, I saw this at cannes last year uh, it was fine it's <laughs> it's short and depressing. Lastly, The Tutor. The Tutor, uh, directed by Jordan Ross, who I am not familiar with, starring Garrett Hedlund. and Garrett Headland. And as the title indicates, it's about a
0: tutor whose uh, student becomes obsessed with them. All right. You have several many projects of interest. We Live in Time? Um, yes. What is um, Now I have to think
1: john crowley oh john crowley who directed brooklyn is uh has andrew garfield and florence Pugh starring in their next film
0: uh, a john
1: wu project john wu uh, very you know you've seen some john wu stuff uh you've seen face off
0: okay
1: <laughs> uh but he uh, was much more notable before he started doing hollywood productions as well uh, but he's remaking his classic film the uh the killer which starred chow yun fat and Andrew Garfield attached that, as is Natalie Emmanuel, who I think we saw in one, one or two of the Fast and the Furious films. There's a Vertigo remake. Yeah, I don't. I'm not clear who the director is, uh, but Robert Downey Jr. is attached to star. Does Cameron Crowe have a new project? He does. He's been apparently developing in secret a Joni Mitchell biopic. Oh,
0: Janis <laughs> Jop Jormp Jorm, or? No, that's Janis Joplin. Oh, from Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock, yeah. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. Oh, that's a Janet Jackson song, Son of a Gun. That lady. That's Carly Simon. Oh, then who the hell's Joni Mitchell? You've heard...
1: <laughs> you've heard Joni Mitchell. I feel like she'd make a very boring biopic, but... Oh. Uh, I'm trying to think of what song you'd... Oh, yeah, Got Till It's Gone. She's she's on that. Yeah, there's Joni Mitchell. Uh, but Carly Carly Simon, Son of a Gun, the, from...
0: Oh, Carly Simon, Son of a Gun, and then there's a Joni Mitchell sample on yes. Got Till It's Gone. That's right. But I was thinking of Carly Simon. Yes, with with the
1: mouth and the Warren Beatty reference. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, Party Girls? Party? There's a 4K the, restoration. Uh, Parker Posey's classic cult oh, film movie. is getting re-released uh, with a new 4K restoration. That's exciting to me. There's a Robert Pattinson, Robert Downey Jr. project? Yes, um... Who is the director? Adam McKay. Oh, Adam McKay from Don't Look Up, apparently doing this big-budget new film uh, that's supposed to speak to our times, of course. Uh,
0: And then Mother Mary.
1: Mother Mary sounds very exciting to me. Uh, New David Lowry film, uh, who did The Green Knight, which you didn't see, uh, the Pete's Dragon remake, which I don't know that that ultimately served him well, Uh, A Ghost Story, which I really liked, even though it stars Casey Affleck. Um, It's... His new film's got Anne Hathaway and Michaela Cole. Uh, Michaela Cole, you know, from Bubblegum, and um, you didn't We well, didn't watch I Think I Might Destroy You. And she's in the new Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, in a supporting role. But this is... Uh, David Lowery's new film is described as an epic pop melodrama following a fictional musician played by Hathaway and her relationship with an iconic fashion designer
0: <laughs> played oh by God. Cole. So that sounds uh, right up my alley. Okay, there were several so, movies watched for fun. The first one is a rewatch, uh, White Fire. Okay, so this is a. I love this film
1: because uh, ever since we discovered during the pandemic, because Arrow Video put it out, sent me a copy and we randomly put it on and immediately. We watched it several times, but we watched it with the visiting family last night. And uh, this is something you need to have razor sharp wits, lots of coffee for. This is not a downer film. This is not a. Because everyone had taken marijuana. <laughs> So, <laughs> and was tired.: I think this is not a film to watch when you're tired, but uh,
0: I still it's trash. <laughs> Continuing on our Christopher Guest train ride. we watched "Waiting for Guffman.: Yes. What year is that?: uh, 97, I believe. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, it's very good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Christopher, Christopher Guest is quirky is really quirky. St. Clair. He's kind of the star of the, his own thing. In this one, yeah. In this one. For um, sure. But all the other, you know, it's fun. Catherine O'Hara and... Uh, Fred Willard. Fred Willard is a gift. She's always the same, but it's perfect. Yeah, and
0: Parker Posey, of and course. Parker Posey. She's the most flexible I've ever seen her. Yeah. Like, physically. Yeah. She's dancing and doing the splits and the high kicks. Um, you watched Fuzz? Uh,
1: yeah, you were in and out for this. Oh. Uh, we had, actually, a Raquel Welch double feature yesterday. Oh. Uh, But this is starring, uh, reuniting her with Burt Reynolds after 100 Rifles, whom she did not like. Uh, It's based on uh, Ed McBain, which was a pseudonym for, I forget the author's real name, uh, set in Boston. And this, I thought, was a lot of fun as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the people in it, but uh, basically there are several different things going on uh, that kind of tie together uh, at at the end. But uh, Yul Brynner is this... He's the deaf man oh, who's, yes. who's trying to, uh, t- killing a bunch of the city's commissioners, uh, t- for, for money. And, uh, he, he's the main baddie. Raquel Welch is called in as a decoy detective to catch the serial rapist. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was, I was very entertained by it. Oh, good. The doom generation. Uh, and cause I'm revisiting most of Parker's early career. She has, she's in one scene of this, but, uh, it's, uh, it's not my favorite, Gregoraki, but uh, it it's a lot of fun, and I like James Duval. It's James Duval and Rosa McGowan and then they are a couple that take on Jonathan Sheck and go on this road trip that and has a lot of uh, bisexual exploring in it and uh, murder. Coven. Coven. I had forgotten about this as a po- until I he announced a new project. Argentinian director Pablo Agüero, who directed Ava Doesn't Sleep. Uh, he, this film premiered at the San Sebastian Film Festival in 2020, which of course was in the middle of the pandemic. Akalar, uh, which means Witches Sabbath. It landed on Netflix uh, that I didn't even realize it. Uh, I think technically on Netflix, it's called sister, Coven of Sisters. Uh, and it's basically set in the Basque country about these young girls that are, you know, forced to admit to being witches and then they commit suicide instead of getting burned at the stake. Then you watch something called "I Married a Witch." Yeah, I've been meaning to watch this forever. It's a French director Rene Clair who had uh, came to the U.S. to make films during World War II. And this stars Veronica Lake and Frederick March. And Veronica Lake is a witch uh, who her and her father were burned at the stake, and centuries later uh, are able to come back in human form. And she had put a curse on the men, the lineage of the the, the man that burned her. And then she tries to make Frederick March, who is the last member of that lineage to fall in love with her. So it's kind of a a screwball comedy. You can see where uh, ideas of Bewitched uh, came from Hmm. uh, this film. Uh, But yes, also very entertaining, very short. You watched A Low Down Dirty Shame. Yes, I'd never seen it before. Uh, Starring Keenan Ivory Wayans. Which she also directed. Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett. Uh, Sally Richardson. Sally Richardson, who looks fantastic, kind of even is giving me... Pam Greer 70s era with her look uh, sure and transfixing of course I don't you think did she, not care for this movie I, I definitely did not care for this film uh, it's supposed to be like a action yeah he's an ex-cop who is now a uh, private investigator and he's approached by uh, Charles S. Dutton his old partner to take care of a bad guy that had eluded him uh, it, which also involves his ex-love interest Sally Richardson, but Jada Pinkett is his secret, his plucky secretary, who's also secretly in love with him. Uh, but there is a character I'm, I have to look up his name;
0: I forgot. I saw this movie I think when it came out, maybe nineteen ninety four. Oh, so I would have seen it maybe in like ninety seven, and I don't recall enjoying
1: it. No, it's and it's Kim Wayans is also in it. She has one small part. Oh, of I always like her in a de- as one well, uh, department store. Uh, worker um oh god what's his name he died of uh hiv related causes right after it corwin hawkins he plays care he plays jada's roommate and who's also i think a drag queen and it this is it's highly homophobic i can um, imagine you know. and the 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 sissified nature of the two queer characters because there's a the white guy that pops up too is it's to me it's as skin crawling as watching Uh, blackface films in a Shirley Temple film it is so uh, egregiously uh, homophobic but uh, that said it it, I think the slap in the face is this this young man died Mm. right after that and after having been made fun of right but also there's just having the representation I guess it was something but this is definitely one that hasn't aged well and it's not well written Well, something else egregious. We watched Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, this is poo-poo. This got a 4K restoration from Arrow Video. We've had it for months. I remember watching it with my dad as a kid and hating it. Like, he really hated it. It's bad.
0: It's really bad. It is caca. Robert De Niro as the monster is not the worst part. I think, well, Kenneth Branagh.
1: Kenneth Branagh, who was focusing on apparently exercising... Um, yeah, it seems
0: like he made he was really focused on uh, keeping the carbs down because he's shirtless quite a bit and he looks good. He looks good, but but the writing and the acting and it's
1: just well, both him and Tom Hulse play. this because it's set in what seventeen ninety three. Play medical students that are twenty years too old to be. They look, they look mature. Especially Tom Hulse looks
0: terrible. Especially since people's life expectancy back then was so low. It seems like they're really old to be these men medical have, school. These actors were already aged out of uh, the
1: life expectancy of this period. Yeah. And then, of course, this is famously where... Because uh, Helena Bonham Carter plays a role that Emma Thompson would have been, but she went to do Carrington. And, of course, very famously uh, ruined the marriage of rana and thompson
0: i think this would be fun to watch with people and drinking and make fun of it it's still not it wouldn't be a good good time but you couldn't watch it seriously there it was on an airplane oh no (laughs) there was it
1: was nominated for best special effects but you know francis for coppola was supposed to direct this after bram stoker's dracula and then he distanced himself from it because he didn't agree with what rana was doing uh the screenwriter frank darabont also was uh not happy with this it's so like so many hammy
0: performances.
1: Oh God, Ian, we kept rewinding Ian Holm screaming. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. Then we rewatched
0: Trog with Joan. Crawford. Well, you've never seen it. I've seen Trog before. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think it's it's not a good movie. No. But it's fun because Joan is. Playing the character in earnest. Well, that she was wanting. Like, she to she took her craft seriously. She did. Um, she styled her wig. She's, is, she's an anthropologist <laughs> who does, like,
1: medical procedures. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. She seems more like a social worker that needs to retire,
0: but. And then her costuming is she's wearing, like, smocks. Very colorful smocks. Very colorful smocks, and then her wig is like this ashy blonde. Not a, too far from the color of the wig in Berserk. She looks crazy, mm-hmm. but it's fun to see her. Of course. And the and the two young men she's there's like these handsome young men. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, them! <laughs> the decisions these people make are so stupid. Oh, and uh, is it Michael
1: Guff who plays this? I guess you'd call him a fundamentalist Christian who's I don't know who he's affiliated with. he just shows up to announce that tro- this troglodyte they find in the cave should be killed. Because I think th- you
0: could delve into like the, like the subtext of what they're talking about. It's very interesting. yeah um, but it's not when directed by Freddie Francis, who would go on to do Doctrine and the Devils. I think the problem is they' ever like they made it like they're taking themselves seriously, yes. and when this should have been kind of over-the-top, mm-hmm. like, unintentional camp. It's, it's a little too serious. The only thing, because Joan is very obsessed with uh, having a hypo gun.
1: She keeps, bring me my hypo gun. She <laughs> says, I think at least three times. Uh, and lastly, The Drowning Pool. Uh, yeah, you guys went to bed and my dad and I stayed up and watched The Drowning Pool, which I was surprised at how boring and, and, and hammy it is, but it's a 1975 sequel to the earlier Harper starring... Uh, Paul Newman, who's kind of a signature character in Newman's oeuvre, uh, starring his, I think, the eighth collaboration he did with his wife, Joanne Woodward. Uh, It was just,
0: it, it was just pretty dull. All right, let's take a break. So the secret film was something we had on the Raquel Welch poll uh-huh. for one of the live reviews like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And this is the selection I would have voted for. It's also the one I have voted for. Uh, oh, I normally give an intro and I didn't pull it up. But anyway, it's the film Mother, Jugs and Speed, mm-hmm. which is from 1976. 19- Who directed it? The great Peter Yates. Um,
1: What else has Peter Yates done? Peter, If you've never seen his 1967 debut, Robbery, highly recommend it. But he's probably best remembered for directing a very famous film called Bullet, which has some extremely well-done car chase sequences starring white Steve McQueen. Uh, I also highly recommend The Friends of Eddie Coyle starring Robert Mitchum. Uh, And The Hot Rock is a great heist film. Uh, You know him for directing the Sigourney Weaver headlined Eyewitness in oh. 1981. Uh, he also directed *Share* in Suspect uh, in 1987. I think his a lot of his 80s work fell off, even though one of his greatest uh, achievements was probably 1983's The Dresser, which was nominated for several Academy Awards. I like his Peter Benchley uh, adaptation, The Deep, starring Nick Nolte and uh, Jacqueline Bissette. Uh And then I don't like so much John and Mary with Dustin Hoffman and Mia Farrow. Anyway, but he is... This was definitely something I've been wanting to watch for years. I love Peter Yates. And it was directed by, or written by Tom Mankiewicz, who is,
0: of course, related to the Mankiewicz Hollywood clan. The logline is, competition between privately owned Los Angeles, California, ambulance companies is played for humor.
1: It's <laughs> what kind a of, weird... It's kind of played for humor. This would make a great
0: double feature with Bringing Out the Dead. Then on the poster I see it says, the F&B ambulance company is looking for a few good men but they will take anybody they can get. Uh, this is supposed to be like a black comedy. Mm-hmm. It has some pretty disturbing plot points. It definitely does. It, I, I think that the later
1: DC cab was trying to invoke feelings that this film had as well with uh,
0: Mr. T. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Well, the basic story is there is a ambulance company in LA called F&B, mm-hmm. and, which I think uh, is... Like Fishbine, yeah, for the owner, played by Alan Garfield, who's mm-hmm. quite funny, I think. The, the The movie is basically him running this ambulance company, and his main ambulance drivers are Bill Cosby and J.R. Ewing from Dallas. What is his Larry name? Larry Hagman. Larry Hagman, and then they have like the secretary, the person who dispatches all the calls, played by Raquel Welch, mm-hmm. and then. Harvey Keitel shows up as, like, an ex-detective slash he's, a veteran. He's, like, basically on suspension for t- drug-related charges. Yeah, so he had a pretty nice career. He's a veteran who became a detective, I believe, for LAPD. Yeah. And then he's on. he's been suspended for what you just said, so he's looking for work. And he shows up at F&B, and he's given a job. So mother, jugs, and speed. Bill Cosby is mother. Mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel is Speed Mm -hmm. and then Raquel Welch is Juggs. Which is a nickname that she's trying to get away with. She does not like. Um, but we basically get maybe like six or seven like ambulance runs. It's kind of a series of the, the the comedy part of it is the setup Mm -hmm. because we go do these like, which we can get into because overall I did like this movie. I really liked this film. There's a lot happening and a lot of it's funny or shocking. Yes. But, um, yeah, so side plots are there is a rival ambulance company called Unity, which is black owned and operated mm-hmm. and Unity versus F&B. They're trying to appeal to the city of Los Angeles to get a major contract to be like the go to ambulance for the city. And it all culminates with the two of them meeting like a city councilman and the city councilman says, well, both, both entities are not big enough to handle this huge area. We're going with a different, more established ambulance company. So these two rival ambulance companies agreed to join forces to um, get the contract, and the city agrees. And this is at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So right when they have shook hands, like, yeah, we'll join forces, they get a call that back at F&B's headquarters, J.R. Ewing is, like, suicidal. Like, he's holding... Um, Alan Garfield's wife, hostage. hostage with a gun and with another disgraced driver, with another disgraced driver, and he's shooting at folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets pretty dark. He ends up getting killed, <laughs> and then in the end, we see that F and B did join forces, and then they changed their name to FU. <laughs> but and then, uh, because of Harvey Keitel's assistance in that final hostage situation. The LAPD bring him back on as a detective. He also starts a relationship with Raquel Welch. Mm -hmm. So we see in the end that um, they're together. And then for Raquel Welch, I guess having ambulance, like female paramedics or EMT workers back then was unheard of. Mm -hmm. So she is secretly going to EMT school. She gets her certificate and she asks her boss, Alan Garfield, like, make me a paramedic. And he's like, hell no. (laughs) So she gets mad and steals an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And while she's in the ambulance, probably my favorite scene in the movie is she has stolen this ambulance and she's driving around with the siren on. And two sheriff officers see her and they're hitting on her. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, a woman? You're responding to a Code 3 by yourself? We'll help you. We'll follow you. So, of course, she panics because they're going to realize she stole this ambulance. So we have, like, a chase scene where she has to evade them. <laughs> she's trying to get away from them. And it's pretty <laughs> clever how she evades them. Well, with the Harper, she didn't realize Harvey is, like, resting in the back. Yeah, Harvey Keitel's character was taking a nap in the back yeah. of the ambulance, so she didn't know it wasn't empty. So in the end, he ends up pretending to be... A, she outruns the cops enough so she can pull over. He wraps himself in bandages, and she's like, See, I did have a call. Mm-hmm. And they let her ass go. But, um, yeah i i thought
1: she had nice chemistry with harvey who i thought was kind of fetching in this harvey's super good look i mean he's young and he looks very handsome this is still a, it's after taxi driver which i think even though he's playing a long-haired pimp in that also Raquel's that. beautiful obviously she kind of reminded me of jacqueline smith she did with her styling apparently she really lobbied for this role because
0: originally they wanted valerie Perrine. well we watched what four raquel movies I've watched i
1: I've watched like eight. Oh, eight!
0: this for, for me the ones I've seen this is the best of, of her of her yeah yeah I, also, um,
1: I like her she's more supporting in fuzz but I like not her including also. Myra Breckenridge oh but, Myra Breckenridge yeah. but we haven't watched that yet
0: I mean again we've seen it before but yes anyway I'm gonna go through my notes we learned that I was surprised to learn that the way this film is telling it, back in the '70s, when an ambulance shows up, they expect their payment before they up take front. away. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're told that it's forty-two dollars and fifty cents plus fifty cents per mile. Mm-hmm. The other thing we learn is that these ambulance drivers are crooked as hell. Oh yeah, they're all taking like bribes from different places to get the calls first, and they mm-hmm. get kickbacks to the lawyers. There's mm-hmm. like a lawyer who. Pays for information like who they can go. Mm-hmm. Basically, like an, ambulance, an chaser ambulance chaser who doesn't chase ambulances. Mm-hmm. He he tells them, or he asks them where they're going, and then, um, yeah. So so that was super interesting. So the first scene we get of like the the of the calamitous nature is J.R. Ewing and his buddy get a call to this like there's this black woman and a bunch of her friends playing cards Mm -hmm. and she slips and falls but she lives like on the fourth floor of a walk up (laughs) and they have to get her down (laughs) and and it goes exactly how you would think. Uh They have her on this gurney going down the stairs and she slides but the way it's shot
1: is so good. It's so good. Because one of them falls through the stairs and gets bit by a rat. And now he has rabies. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's so, it, but it's pretty well done. And those, the group of black women are like, do you guys need help?
0: You help? Do you need help? help? And then when they ask for payment, they're like, no.
1: We think you spent that 42 <laughs>
0: We're not, we're not paying you until you get her down. <laughs> that was pretty good. Then Bill Cosby's character has this thing about terrorizing the nuns. It's called Buzzing the Nuns. Buzzing the Nuns. So there's like a convent nearby and the nuns always walk across the street at the same time like a bunch of ducks. Mm-hmm. And every time they do, he drives up and like honks the siren at mm-hmm. them. <laughs> but actually an emotional moment, I kind of got teary eyed, is Bill Cosby's partner is played by Bruce Davison. hmm Who's really cute in this movie too? Because mm-hmm. he's so young and he has this little raggedy ratty mustache. He ends up getting killed by, by Tony Basil. By Tony Basil. For those who don't know, she sings, "Oh Mickey, you're so fine." Yeah,
1: it's a pop star in the '80s, but in the '70s she was trying to be an actor. And she looks pretty. She does. She kind of live
0: give me Lady Gaga. And she, her ki- she had a
1: bit part in Myra Breckenridge too.
0: Oh, oh, maybe she was friendly with Raquel. Probably. Um, but she plays a junkie. Who, who needs drugs so she calls 911 mm-hmm. and when they and when they get there she holds she basically holds Bruce Davis in hostage mm-hmm. and he's like man we don't keep those kind of drugs on the on the rig but I can get you some help and she shoots and kills him mm-hmm. and then there's a shootout and the cops come and they're basically like about to arrest Bill Cosby because he had a gun. But then one of the sheriff's officers is friendly with him. Played like, by uh, LQ Jones. Mm-hmm. And he's friendly with him and he also like bribes him for calls. So mm-hmm. they kind of rub each other's backs, and he can see that Bill Cosby's upset about his partner, so he lets him go. I thought that was sweet. And then you can see that Yeah, that's when he gets he goes back and has a conversation with the nuns and Well, and then you can tell that Because they tell him, okay, you can go ahead and leave. And Bill Cosby's like, no, I'm taking my dead friend to the morgue. Mm -hmm. Like, no one else is going to take him. And then as he's driving, he's all quiet. Mm -hmm. And when he pulls up on the nuns, he doesn't run his siren. And they look so confused. They're like... They're confused. (laughs) And then when he gets back to the station, all the guys are kind of like... Well, not all the guys. J.R. Ewing's a dick. Hagman plays such a gross person in this. And he's giving him a hard time, like kind of razzing him about whatever and Bill Cosby whoops his ass, mm-hmm. like knocks him through
1: a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Cosby, there was, um, they were trying to get Gene Hackman for that role, and Gene Hackman read the script and said, like, I forget what set he was already on, he's like, look, I'm overworked, but there's this funny guy I've seen in this series. Mm. He recommended Cosby. I think he's good in the movie. I, I, it's so sad watching Bill Cosby because I really like him, and I think he's so good. I love his 70s work. Um, but you know, he did this other film with Robert Culp called Hickey and Boggs, which is really worth watching. It's funny to see him play grittier characters, Mm -hmm. uh, who are doing like, but you can tell he put his thing on it because there are things that Gene Hackman in this role wouldn't have said.
0: No. So, you know, yeah, Bill Cosby brings a lot to it. Mm -hmm. Um, the, there's a funny scene. So the guy who runs the ambulance company, he he goes on this rant about veterans and how we should respect them in mm-hmm. the war. He's one of those people who's just blowing smoke up everyone's ass. Like, what do you know about war? And and then when he's telling this to Harvey Keitel, who actually is a veteran, and then Harvey tells him, "Actually, I thought the war was stupid and immoral." And I hated every minute. And of it. I there. hate every minute of it. And then uh, the boss is like, "Oh, well, I mean, I guess everyone has their own perspective." Like, uh, yeah, you okay. dummy.
1: Um, I really liked Harvey in this. The three leads are so I think so good.
0: Uh J.R. Ewing's character is such a creep. He is just he's just a creep, like a misogynist. At one point, well even at one point he tries to rape so they get a call to show up at a college dorm. Mm-hmm. And so they get pick up this beautiful young woman who's OD'd on drugs. And at first J.R. wouldn't let Harvey Keitel drive the rig. Mm-hmm. But then when they pick up this girl, he's like, You can drive. And immediately, you know what that means. Mm-hmm. He wants to sit in the back and fondle this girl. Mm-hmm. And then Harvey's driving and he recognizes that JR is not responding to him. And he pulls the rig over, and we see that JR was trying to rape this, like, mm-hmm. passed out woman. And then, of course, Harvey gets them together. But then, before that even happens, Bill Cosby's talking to him, which. You know, in hindsight, knowing what Bill Cosby was accused and convicted of, it's kind of creepy because he tells G. R. Ewing, "One day we're all going to buy you something that won't fight back, like a, a quadruple, a amputee, yeah, yeah." And then after that, we get Bill Cosby. He stops at the Institute of Sexual Awareness, mm-hmm. and he's like, they, "They look like prostitutes. They, they are basically." And he's yeah. getting a massage, and they're like using dildos on him, and not like in his orifices well kind of they're putting them in his ears Mm -hmm. and then he's injecting them with drugs well vitamin B12 the girl asked for but But it's just so weird watching him do that now when we know more about him yes um it's funny a lot of these older movies people drinking and driving was like not a big deal Uh because Bill Cosby keeps a cooler in his rig Mm -hmm. and he's doing nothing but drinking beer the entire time Mm -hmm. um Uh, I don't know just a bunch of silly scenes Uh, like when Raquel first does her first run they get a call that's a good
1: scene that's a nice emotional scene too in highlighting something that
0: is no longer done no, what you're talking about is not the first scene. The first scene is she gets a call for a man who oh, zips up his penis. There's she, something about Mary, yeah. But then it's followed up with a very emotional emotional scene where they get a call for a woman who's going into labor at a grocery store mm-hmm. and they're not going to make it. They get to a hospital and that hospital's like, we don't do obstetrics, you better take her to county. Mm-hmm. Which is now, we, we now know illegal, but back then they had no choice. So as they're transporting this woman from one hospital to the other... She goes into labor. So Raquel delivers the baby, but then the woman is experiencing like massive hemorrhaging and dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie, like the tone just swings from one end to the but, next. But I mean, I think that's the nature of that kind of job. The... It's effective because mm-hmm. I mean, I felt rattled like, mm-hmm. whoa, I can't believe I was laughing and now I'm like, like watery eyed.
1: <laughs> well, because humans are funny and also despairing, but, I, which I don't know, I really
0: like i don't mind bill cosby had a funny line when they're at the city council meeting and the two ambulance companies are trying to like appeal to the city council and of course the black business the councilman's like well we've taken into account that you are a minority business and we want to like highlight that but then the other guy uh alan Alan garfield he's like "Well, well we got a woman we got a woman We got a woman. Do you have a woman? And then Bill Cosby gets up and he says, well, a woman's got to be worth at least four blacks, three Latinos, and a (laughs) Chinaman. It's so funny because so much of this movie we would not write today, like you know, we would all say it's so inappropriate, but... And, you know, for at the time rated PG, because it's,
1: of course, before PG-13, but... um, There's also
0: another paramedic who's saying that he's preparing for medical school. Did you get the sense he was gay? That
1: he was gay. I thought he
0: was gay, and then when he's at the city council meeting, he gets up and says that he's really looking forward to working one-on-one with one of the black... Well, he says,
1: an (laughs) Afro-American. An
0: Afro-American.
1: Like, uh... Yeah. (laughs) Which they try to write off as brotherly love, but it's like, that man's a homosexual, and he's... That's uh Alan Warnick. I thought he was cute. He was cute. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you didn't mention Dick
0: Buckis. Oh, yeah, who's, uh, like, from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, I was very surprised by this movie. I was, too. It wasn't...
1: I've been wanting to watch it for years. It was not the... Because it, the way it's advertised makes
0: you think it's a screwball comedy, but it, it really isn't. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it is... I mean, it has moments, but, yeah, it... it there's a lot of emotion, mm-hmm. and
1: you know, and again, by the end, is a little. I, I don't really care for Larry Hagman hold up in the fire. Like I, to me, that is a little. It almost just goes a little too over the top, and I, you don't
0: need it, I think. But I still really liked it. Yeah, and it was fun seeing LA um, so long ago. <laughs> what would you give this movie? Three and a half. I think I would give it the yeah. What would I give it? I guess three out of five awesome so i liked it more than you i think the tones all lower the place and i would love i tried to look on the extra bonus features to see if there was like a director's commentary because i don't know i I don't know that all of this is deliberate i think it seems kind of like a mess that kind of turned into a beautiful disaster well i don't mind that though i don't mind it either but i think i would give it three just because this doesn't feel as deliberate as it seems watching in 2023 i think it was just they got some major people in there and it became what it did. And it became, and it did what it did, but it, I mean, it's kind of a mess. Like, sure. <laughs> but I,
1: I don't know. I, I would rec- I think this was a great double feature between mother jugs and speed and fuzz. I would uh, highly recommend it. If um, you can find it, I don't know that it's streaming. It's anymore. not streaming. Uh, and it's, I don't know if that's Cosby related. Just nobody wants to swoop in and kind of recuperate this film. Maybe, um,
0: well, what do you have for the week we have like five videos we have a lot of content dropping this week dungeons and dragons um ennis main a mm-hmm. thousand and one smoking causes coughing rye lane mm-hmm. yeah there are like five reviews coming up and there are a couple other ones i want to, i
1: i feel like i'd like to cover tetris with Taryn. what's his face oh i like Taryn edgerton yeah uh there's a poor film on shutter called the Unheard. Because, uh, yeah, next week is a busy week, but then the first week of April, not a lot coming out. Well, you're um, going to be gone, right? I'm going to be gone, but we'll probably... Did you talk about why you're going to be gone? You're going to wait. I think it's pretty much
0: set in stone now. Like, like I have a time and... Well, the reason you've been watching all of these Parker Posey films... Is I'm going to interview her in New York. flying to New York to interview her for Spin Magazine. Yes. And you're also going to watch her new play. She's in a play that's actually wrapping up, I think, she just has three more nights of it after I'm done. But you're also... It, it, it's a retrospective on her career, and, but then you're also going to talk about the new play and you're going to see her new movie. Next weekend, Bo is Afraid, the yeah. Ari Aster film. So it's all going to be put
1: together into yeah. one package. Yeah. Um, so that is exciting, but I'm sure we'll, we'll probably have coverage on the Ben Affleck film, Air, which I'll, I think I'm, you're not seeing, I'm seeing alone. Uh, and Paint, that'll be the week after with Owen Wilson. Okay. But the, the first week of uh, April is kind of. Do you
0: have anything else to say? No, I, d- I don't think so. Okay, ta ta. <laughs>